Stop touching things. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersocks. I'm Kyle Skinner. And we're your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Kyle, we're back talking our favorite hero slash cultural phenomenon, Grogu. Yeah, I usually am pretty stressed out when we have to talk about things in the star Wars star wars universe uh we're eventually gonna have to do the same thing with the mcu and that's stressing me out uh because i'm not huge fans of either of these entities uh but talking about baby yoda was so much fun like i'm so glad that we're having a second episode of being able to talk about him and his character development and just what it is to be a a great baby Yoda moment and and with some experts in that field. And one of our experts here is our guest host for episode two, coming back after episode one. It's Ryan. Ryan, what's going on? What's up, guys? I am, uh, like you said, there's there's a few things I like talking more about than uh, baby Grogu. So I'm I'm quite honored to be here and and to be your guest yeah i think when i was when i got the bracket of the seating and went back and chris was nice enough to timestamp all of these yoda moments for us uh and so going back and being able to just like find these moments one it made me want to rewatch season one because i just remember how great i felt watching that that season and just how awesome that adventure was and seeing it back i'm probably going to pick up on a lot of things that foreshadow into season two but also i didn't realize the pure depth of this baby yoda character until we really started talking about him in episode one yeah i think like these types of conversations are my favorite types of conversations we have on this podcast is taking something that seems really insignificant and not very impactful, but then diving really deep into it and realizing just how important something small is. Yeah, it's uh when you sent me the list with the timestamps on everything, like I literally I'm on season, I'm on episode three now. When you sent it to me a few days ago, I, I decided, all right, I'm I'm rewatching. Because I only <laughs> ever watched every episode once, and I feel like that's just not enough when it comes to Star Wars. So I've begun my my rewatch through all of this and and yeah, it's 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 really cool to see the development of this this character that's really just more than just an adorable little 50-year-old boy. Now, uh Ryan, there is a I, I know you're based in on the East Coast and there happens to be a place in which you can go visit the Star Wars universe and that is on the planet of Batu in Disney World. Have you been slash have you are are you a parks guy? Do you enjoy going to these um, theme parks? Um, and, and does this appeal to you to get transported into this like Star Wars universe in real life? This is the vacation that I am most looking forward to in my life. I've, I've been to Orlando um, 
two times. I went twice within like a six month span. I went once with my family and then I went once with my wife. Um, just because I went, I hadn't been since I was a kid. I went to Disney World when I was in like first grade. And then we went back um, and went to Universal Studios for a two day trip with my family. Um, but the park wasn't wasn't done yet. Nah. So there was really no point to go there yet. Um, but that is aside from our honeymoon, which we had to postpone, which then has to also push back our our Hollywood studios visit to see, <laughs> to see Star Wars. I'm very disappointed in that. I kind of would rather go see this Star Wars world than to go to uh, wherever we're going in, like, you know, in the Bahamas or wherever we're supposed to go, but I'll, I'll make an upset exception. <laughs> we'll but, we'll but send yeah. this clip. We'll send this clip directly to your wife so that she knows exactly what's up she knows already she knows i've already (laughs) expressed such feelings but it's fine it's fine we'll go to the beach for a week before we can do this one (laughs) ryan have you been following the construction of the star wars galactic star cruiser resort in florida i is is that in disney as well and it's basically yeah. when you go, you're you're like in the story, you're right? In, baby. Like <laughs> they you're, take you're your car, they lock the oh, door. Bro, I am so <laughs> I'm so on board for that. No <laughs> doubt about it. That when we do it, that's how it will be done. <laughs> yes. We and I a... just yeah. So I just bought a VR headset for the first time. I've never done virtual reality, but I did that, and I bought Star Wars Squadrons, which is you're just like a part you're of flying, the story. Dude. You're flying, doing. <laughs> It is. It's literally a dream come true. It's amazing. I'm literally flying a ship, like with this headset on, my headphones. I'm in a, a completely different world, and there's nothing. There's nothing you can do to stop me. It's like the most unbelievable experience. It's really cool. So whenever you guys come visit on the East Coast, we'll uh, we'll join that galaxy together. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, before we start talking about the little human snack that is. Baby Yoda, Grogu, we got to talk about our little spoonfuls of sugar we got cooking up this week. So, Kyle, what are you sipping on? I'm back on the beer. Uh, this one is a a Oakland local beer. Um, I might have had it on like a very early episode. It's called the East Bay IPA. It's from Ale Industries, as I said, here in Oakland. But when I first had it, they didn't have this dope label and the dope label is our like transportation subway system uh bart bay area rapid transit and uh the the logo is the ticket that you get when you go on bart and these lines are the different train lines that you can go around the bay area obviously this isn't they're not a million of them and super close together (laughs) but it's that kind of that kind of look and it's just the dopest label uh, for somebody out here in the Bay Area, like the the Bart map is iconic. It's all over all kinds of things, and for them to put it on this beer, like it's dope. I'm all about it, and the beer's great. It's a West Coast IPA. It, they're super easy to drink. I was talking to Kyle Madsen, who was on our saddest Pixar <laughs> moment bracket about this uh beer, and we were talking about how easy West Coast IPAs are to to drink, and they sneak up on you, and this is no exception. It's great. And the uh, the warning about drinking responsibly is fantastic. It says, keep cold, drink fresh, go dumbed responsibly. <laughs> Doesn't get much more Bay Area than that. 
<laughs> Chris, what'd you drink it? Yeah, what is it with like beer art just being fire? Like in the last like yes. two years, I feel like all of a sudden you walk into a Trader Joe's or like a Bevmo, <laughs> yeah. and it's like walking into an art exhibit when you're looking at the beers. It's such a great part of like beer culture, I think. It's just like, artistry I, on point. I am about to resort to just buying beer based on the artwork. Like yeah. it's just, I'm always so tempted. Um, I also have a beer, the Disney mania bracket and like the back-to-back rums kind of mess me up a little bit. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going with back-to-back <laughs> beers. I have another IPA. This is from Bronx brewery represent. It's called the world gone hazy IPA, which is, uh, which is good. It's, it's, it's called, it, is described as juicy tropical waves and that is what it tastes like but there's a a poem on this so like yours has cool art mine has just like a picture of the world and there's a poem on it it says when the future stops being so clear and the skies above start to swirl look down at the clouds in your beer to help make some sense of this world i like it i'm into it so you can find your answers in the bottom of the bottle, which is, I guess, what they're trying to say at Bronx Brewery. Um, I like it. Uh, eight out of ten. Uh, Ryan, what do you got today? I got a ten out of ten. I have not switched up from episode one. We are still representing Conor McGregor's line of whiskey, which is proper 12. I have ran out of Sprite, so I've given it a splash of Mountain Dew. <laughs> oh, that's the best. The best so, mixer of all time. Let's go. So yeah, I'm I am ready. So you're celebrating that Conor McGregor win, right? Yeah, it's already happened. I've I've already foreseen it just as he has. It's uh that McGregor magic, the first round KO. It's it's in the bag already. We know we know it's coming. It's pretty cool. And uh I am representing the Kansas City Chiefs with my Travis Kelsey jersey. I can't wait to see them in the Super Bowl uh, this coming weekend. It's going to be great. (laughs) All right. Well, just to remind everyone where we're at, we are talking best Baby Yoda moments, a.k.a. best Grogu moment. Uh, We surveyed a particular demographic to get our initial field of 16, and that demographic was people pinning the annual pass extinction on Rise of the Resistance virtual line abuse. That was a thing that happened. We're not sure that that is what caused the extinction of annual passes, but uh, sure, if that helps you sleep at night, go for it. Uh, We are down to our round of eight where we have the number one seed, Grogu, neutralizing the Mudhorn in uh, the Mudhorn's battle with Mando versus the number nine seed, Grogu, roasting a stormtrooper with flames. We've also got the number four seed, Grogu's frog egg feast versus the number 12 seed, Grogu riding in IG-11's chest pocket. On the other side of the bracket, we've got the number two seed, Grogu eating too many macaroons, Versus the number seven seed, Grogu saying goodbye to Mando. And rounding out our round of eight is the number three seed, Grogu sipping soup on Sorgan. Versus the number six seed, Baby Yoda meeting Mando for the first time. I'll start us off this episode where we talk about the number one seed, Grogu using his force abilities versus the Mudhorn in season one, episode two. That's chapter two, The Child 
versus the number nine seed Grogu roasting the Stormtrooper, which is seen in season one, episode eight. That's chapter eight, Redemption. So the Mudhorn thing was like our first time seeing Grogu use the Force. And we were hinted that he was a Force user, maybe, earlier in the episode. Mando had some type of, like, wound. They were around a campfire, I think. I believe this is before this. Correct me if I'm wrong. But um, they're, like, around a campfire, and Grogu goes to, like, give him a little Force heal, maybe, and he, like, sticks his hand up. This was before Mando knew what Grogu was, so yeah. Mando was really concerned about just like keeping Grogu in his little carriage. So like he noticed Grogu was standing next to him, and he was just like, "Oh no, no! Like go back, like go sit down, like stay where you are." So it never happened, but like it probably would have if Mando had let it. So like right. that was kind of our hint that like maybe there's a possibility he is a Force user, but we don't know for sure yet, and so. Grogu neutralizing the Mudhorn was like the first time we saw him actually do it. And I think it's really an interesting move for this moment to happen at the very beginning of the series. They could have just as easily like withheld the fact that Grogu is a force user until like the climax of the final episode and like, oh, until the flame trooper. Yeah. Until the the one it's matched up against, quite honestly. Right. And like that is Mm -hmm. something so many shows do. So many movies do like they purposefully withhold information from you because they think there is so much value in shock and like, I didn't see that coming. Like that is in, in a lot of like creators opinions these days the best reaction you can get out of an audience is just one of like shock. And, and I just think that's really sad. Like there's, there's beauty in storytelling too. Like you can know something's going to happen, but still enjoy watching it play out. And that's what this series does. Like they show us that Grogu can use the force. Uh, they, they show their hand very, very early and that doesn't take anything away from the way Grogu uses the Force, the way we understand the character, and it makes every situation just as intense because we really don't know his ability to control it. So you kind of get the best of both worlds here. Really, really, a lot of respect to the Mandalorian for for doing it that way. Kyle brought up last episode where Mando's like about to get beat. Like he is, he's, he's about to die. And he takes out a little like knife and (laughs) is like, I don't know what he was going to do, man. He was like going to just like let the mud horn run into him. Maybe not a grand plan. Was, yeah, was, was he trying to do like, like suicide kill, right? Right. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. I am prepared to die. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. 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 And so, uh, Grogu comes through and, and stops that from happening. And then all Mando has to do is just like shank the mud horn in the eye, just like, "Ah, got him. (laughs) And then he's down. Like, that's it. I feel like both of these moments are very similar because on the other side, you've got Grogu roasting a stormtrooper, which is, Literally the exact same situation. Mando is about yeah. to die. He's sitting there talking to Cara Dune. He's like, let me go. Like, leave me here. Like, I want a warrior's death. The stormtrooper comes in and Grogu raises his little hands up and stops the flamethrower from uh, 
roasting everyone and he sends that flame right back in that stormtrooper's face uh, and causes a massive explosion that kills a stormtrooper. I don't know. To me, I think like from an enjoyability perspective, I think watching him roast that stormtrooper is more fun. It's more funny. And when I think of Grogu, I think of somewhat comedic. I, I don't want to say he's comic relief because he serves much more of a purpose than that. But he, he right. does offer a lot of comedy beats. I don't know that this is one of those comedy beats, but like it's funny to me. Like it's just like <laughs> it's ironic that that this little tiny thing is is performing this act of heroism. And so I think what we have left are a few really great Mandalorian moments, but we're talking baby Yoda moments and like best Grogu moments. And so I think the Mudhorn moment is more important to the show and to the series and to like the imagery of the Mandalorian. Mando takes the Mudhorn as his sigil. It's the first time we see Grogu using the force. Like that moment binds them for eternity. And like that is so important to the Mandalorian, but we're not talking about best Mandalorian moment that happens between Grogu and Mando. We're talking about like best Grogu moment individually. And to me, the better Grogu moment individually is this stormtrooper moment. <laughs> oh my gosh. Took us for a ride. Yeah, I it's hard because you're right. These are basically the same two moments. It's Grogu saving Mando from certain death, right? Uh, I I just think that the scenario of Grogu saving Mando from the Mudhorn is just so significant to his character and the strength of that character put on display. Like it's like brute force. Like this this huge rhino esque animal monster is absolutely punking Mando to the point where Mando has given up completely and is willing to like die to allow Grogu to live. And in the the other uh, scenario, uh, Mando got got because there's hella stormtroopers all around and now like is protect the kid. Uh, I'm going to lay here and die. You guys just make sure that the kid's safe. And sure, yeah, Grogu takes the moment and and make sure that everyone's safe. But in that first one, you talked about shock value. This was almost similar to that kind of shock value, although it wasn't just like jaw dropping. Like when you see Grogu's hand raise up in that scene, you see him raise up. You're like, I know what's about to happen. This is going to be sick. And then it pans over to what is happening because Grogu's real focused, right? Like eyes are like squinting and our hand is shaking and Mando is bracing for death. And this thing is just floating there, <laughs> just absolutely floating. And it is so like, instead of like the stormtrooper where Grogu just kind of like, boom, there you go, blow up, big Star Wars death. This is like, we get to sit and think about what is happening and what this means for the rest of the series. Why the child has a bounty on it. Like, why is this child being hunted? It's because this child is powerful as hell, boy. And we get to see that by him lifting up this rhino. It is a moment of silence. He doesn't like 
throw the rhino over the cliffs. Mm, he doesn't Batu. explode. <laughs> yeah. Batu. Batu. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't explode the rhino. Lifts that thing up, allows it for allows it to fall, in which Mando seizes the moment. And it was just that was just so powerful. You kind of saw Grogu coming coming through in, in the last episode. Like that they set that one up pretty nicely where Mando's explaining, no, don't like go go save the child. And the child's like, no, I got this. I'm gonna elevator raise right in front of the camera and, and murk everybody. This this first one just left such an impact and set the tone for the rest of what we could expect out of Grogu. I think it's just the better moment. So I'm moving that on, which means, Ryan, you are breaking a tie to start off this episode. Yeah, I mean, so when it comes to him roasting the Stormtrooper, first of all, it's really cool because these they're they're called incinerator troopers. The flame troopers in Star Wars are they're kind of rare. And to see one just flame, you know, it's not like your regular stormtrooper that is just horrible at aiming and missing all the shots. Like he's literally just flame throwing his way <laughs> yeah. through the bunker. And it's like, it's, it's pretty scary, right? Like this guy is about to just, just end it all for everyone. And I know we went through it in episode one, this, this epic moment of the back of Grogu's head, just rising up and blowing this guy through the door um it's it's really cool and but but like i said in in the first episode too it's kind of a moment you expect it's kind of a moment where you think like all right everyone's kind of down grogu's gonna come through here for us right um but but it's cool because because in in the mudhorn scene it's just mando who's who's about to be roasted and be done and in this and in this moment it's it's grief carga it's caradoon it's mando it's ig11 like everyone's life is on the line so the stakes are almost higher now than they were before because there's more than just din Djarin's life on the line it's it's everyone um so it's cool but but at the same time the mudhorn scene is where we get Grogu for the first time on full display using the force it's the moment the first moment where we see Mando really vulnerable and and totally willing to die and and he's just really you know he's he's pretty much accepted defeat as he just stands there with the dagger in his hand waiting for the mudhorn to charge at him so um we get a little hint at Grogu's ability to use the force but to see him stop this giant creature and floating midair for his father to finally just defeat him in battle um it's it's totally powerful it's totally amazing and it's totally adorable he's a (laughs) 50 year old little boy baby who can wield incredible force so um i'm gonna go with our number one seed here just to move him on because it's our first moment. It's a it's a really powerful moment for the show, like you said, Kyle. Um, just to get that confirmation that he does have that sort of power and he does that does have that ability to um, wield such incredible force. So, all right, the number one seed makes it into the final four. Who will meet it in the next matchup? It is the number four, uh, Grogu committing acts of terrorism against an entire species by eating these frog eggs versus the number 12 uh, riding in the pocket of IG-11 
through uh, some intense marking going on with this robot. I said in the last episode that it felt like the frog egg scenario was a laugh grab. It was more of something that was there to, you know, highlight Grogu's mischievousness, which it did very well, but it may have taken it a bit too far and got a little into the slapsticky realm for me, where it's this physical comedy of this big egg fitting into this little Grogu mouth and him disobeying Mando all the while. It felt very like Three Stooges-esque, where the leader is saying, like, don't do that. And of course, the 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 village idiot is going to continue to do that and, and disobey and be selfish about it. When Grogu's not selfish, I guess Grogu is selfish when it comes to food. We always talk about the food motivation here. Um, but that I don't even think that this is the greatest scene of food motivation. This was felt a little bit too played out. While with the ride and dirty, like that is, you know, sitting in the front seat of the speed bike <laughs> on this robot and all of this epicness happening around him, he's unfazed because he's he's not that kind of kid. We've seen that. He's not the kind of kid necessarily to 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 cower. Often it happens because his egg shuts on him <laughs> and and he's protected by his little shell of a of a baby carriage. But in this instance, whether he's loving the stormtroopers getting got by IG-11, whether he's just loving the thrill of the speeder bike, it really shows that personality uh, of Grogu coming out. And it really it sets up for that episode being a very good, you know, feel for what who Grogu is. Grogu is this child who loves the thrills of life but also will like get the job done when when there's some danger afoot and and kill some stormtroopers specifically talking about just that moment of him kind of riding along in this how chris described it at the very very beginning it was like baby bjorn is exactly what we wanted to see (laughs) and i know that they definitely sell like items of grogu in a like pouch similar to what IG-11 had. And it, it it's that bigger than Star Wars moment, right? It's something that the casuals will love. It's something that like definitely would happen to some sort of sidekick in this universe that has to ride along. R2-D2 on the back of the plane, you know, getting the job done. Grogu doesn't have to get the job done because he's strapped to a droid who is protecting and he trusts that droid and is willing to just enjoy the moment. It just felt way more authentically Grogu than like this weird imposter Grogu who's like constantly just eating these frog eggs. I don't know. There just seemed to be a lack of self-awareness that I feel like Grogu actually has uh, in that frog egg episode. I just, it just leaves a, a sour taste, if you will, in my mouth. So I'm going to move the number 12 seat on here, Chris. See, I disagree. I think that I think that that lack of self-awareness is authentically Grogu. I think you might be kind of underselling this moment by dismissing it as just like a comedy thing or just another Grogu food gag. And like maybe it is supposed to be a representation of like what's really at stake if Grogu is left unchecked. Well, and that's I think that's my like maybe that's my biggest gripe with that entire scenario is that 
besides getting his wrist slapped by Mando. It felt like even the frog lady didn't care. You know, like there was no that is true. Add to anything. It just was like Grogu like eating these eggs that apparently needed to survive this trip. And yet no one was worried about it. Like no one was worried about it. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's the entire scenario is tainting it for me. But Grogu even got a front row seat to the birth of one of those frog (laughs) eggs when he's looking through the little tank and it's like, and he's like, (laughs) you can tell he he got hungry in that moment (laughs) again. (laughs) Um, He showed some remorse at that point, though. You could tell he was a little more once he saw it was a life form. Right. Right. A little more love. Right. And um. I, I will say I, for the most part, enjoyed the presence of Frog Lady. I thought she was a good addition to like mm. the dynamic. Her just being a normal person thrust into like the chaos of Mando's life and Grogu's hijinks. <laughs> it was really funny to see someone be like, what, like, what are you doing? She straps herself up to that translator machine and is yeah, like... <laughs> Like, stop being such like a lone wolf loner. Like, let's go. Come on. Or um, when she sees her husband again for the first time or her mate uh, and they like start hugging and like speaking in frog language to each other and there's like no subtitles to it. (laughs) I thought like that was so funny. Yeah, I, I I honestly like the frog lady. I I don't know that it's fair to compare her to a Red Bull uh backpack refrigerator model <laughs> like you compared her to last episode. Um Yeah, this was tough cuz I do love that Grogu ride and dirty with IG11 moment. Um I just don't know whose moment that is. Is it IG-11's moment or is it Grogu's moment? I mean, we kind of already credited it to IG-11 and it's fun to see that personality from Grogu shine in just that one shot that lasts like a second and a half. But, you know, I think Grogu's lack of self-awareness and his food motivation have become such strong parts of his character that I think it's, it's kind of the more important situation. So... Even though I didn't advance it last episode out of the field of 16, I'm advancing the frog egg feast to the final four, which means Ryan's breaking another tie. Yeah. um, And, you know, I think we get set up for this frog feast in the very beginning before he even slurps his first frog egg into his mouth. It's it's when we see that shot of his face pressed up against the glass and he, you see, like, his face blown up, and it's really big. Um, it's kind of like a kid outside a candy store just, like, staring in in amazement. And, and like I said, it's it's like this this test of what do we want to choose between for, for Grogu? His, his amazing ability to wield the Force or his ability to do anything that will leave us in just awe of how adorable he is. Like... He's able to sit here and create this mass genocide of endangered frog species in the most (laughs) innocent way that, to me at least, because I do enjoy this dark humor, that he is just, like, hilarious and adorable 
and he slurps these things up like they're some oysters. <laughs> and and also when he when he gets caught sneaking them in, he says that word again. He goes, Batu. <laughs> when he's when Mando catches him sneaking them in and he slurps it up, he goes, Batu. And I, I love that. Um I don't know. That's the power of Grogu to me. The power of him is is him just eating this endangered species and we still love him for it because he's cuter than he is evil. That's what what's what it feels like the writers are are uh testing us with. How far can we push his evilness and will people still perceive it as him being the adorable Grogu that he is? Um right. So for me, you know, that's I talked about the 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 IG11 and him scene and it does feel like a powerful IG11 scene it, and and the scene and the shot of him enjoying his ride through the town as they fry all the stormtroopers it really is only a second and a half whereas I know Kyle you said it feels like overkill kind of with him eating eggs but it just feels a little bit more powerful to me because it happens throughout the course of the episode and I think that was a a choice that the writers made to show him doing it so much because they wanted to kind of push the limits of, you know, how far can we take this and will the audience still appreciate and love him even though he's doing this like terrible thing that still looks like so adorable. And, and just to top it off for me, if this moment isn't going to advance further after this moment, I just want to say, at the end, when they're finally on the Razor Crest and they've gotten through the whole spider cave and the frog lady is hugging her backpack of frog eggs and she's just like so in love with her children and how they're going to build this incredible life together. And to have Grogu look back and see her happy with her children and to turn right back around and slurp that one last frog <laughs> egg in his mouth like Buddy the Elf in the doctor's <laughs> office with John Favreau, the creator of Mandalorian, as he's popping right. cotton balls into his mouth. You're right. To That's see a great that, point. To see that is just, it's so perfect. That was along with him, with Mando sending that uh, creature into the air with the jetpack and falling to his death. The funniest moment for me. I burst out into laughter that he he slurped that after he looked back and was like, oh, that is so adorable. The frog lady cares for her children. <laughs> and he slaps that one last frog egg in his mouth. I absolutely died. That was just perfect Grogu for me. Like just solidifying my love for him. So I, <laughs> I have to absolutely go with the frog egg feast to move on here for me. It's confirmed that Buddy the Elf is Grogu in the multiverse of no, John Favreau. Oh my <laughs> god. That is insane. That's incredible. Um, all right, let's hop over to the other side of the bracket. We've got number two macaroons. Uh, Grogu's macaroon adventurer versus <laughs> number seven, Grogu saying goodbye to Mando. So these macaroons, I didn't get to talk about them a lot last episode. They look tasty. They do. These look like some like flaky, super like decadent macaroons. They look like they came out of a uh, like a galactic Girl Scout 
like sleeve that like metallic yeah. sleeve that like yeah. thin mints show up in. Oh, that's how you know this was those were good yeah. macaroons. I wish uh, we had known about these macaroons when we did our best Disney on-screen food bracket because <laughs> these look tasty. And it's interesting that they're blue. Like Star Wars has done this thing with like blue milk. flavored things, right? They got the blue <laughs> milk. Uh, I guess they've got green milk too now, but um, the uh, Galaxy's Edge blue milk has like a cinnamon flavor to it. It's like almond milk, cinnamon. And so... That's kind of what I see or what I taste when I see these these macaroons is kind of like a, a sugary brown sugar cinnamon flavor. Maybe uh, I, I think it's interesting that they they just keep rolling with that blue with like the blue motif. They could have been any color, but like yeah, people know we blue flavored foods here in the Star Wars universe. So let's make them blue. Um, right. That. That kid is a great actor, by the way, the one who he's trying to take the macaroons from he plays a kid trying to get away with eating something in class really well (laughs) i've been that kid many times and it's like you can't chew you have to basically like take the food and like crush it against the roof of your mouth with your tongue yes yes (laughs) absolutely And like he's like he's like trying not to open his mouth and then grogu's just giving him the the side eye chloe and he's like, no, <laughs> Batu. 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 Um, yeah, that's so good. And and it's it's unfortunate that I'm also watching the Marvel movies right now. And like, I just saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, and was reminded of Baby Groot doing a very similar throw up thing. Uh, when I first saw this moment you know, two months ago when I was watching the Mandalorian one month ago, I loved that throw up moment. I was like, yes, that is so funny. That's so original. And then I saw the Groot thing again. I was like, wow, that's already been done. Yep. I mean, Favreau's MCU as well. So the, his multiverse just keeps expanding every single episode he does. I also really appreciate the world building aspect of this this macaroon situation and like the idea that there are schools. They briefly <laughs> discuss that. They're like, oh, like now that the Empire is gone, like we set up a school system. And uh, you can hear the the protocol droid talking about like the geography of the Star Wars universe. Like, oh, there's the outer rim and then there's the inner rim and then there's the deep core. And uh, like, it's funny that those kids go to like geography class or whatever <laughs> um like like earth kids do um and and like the dynamics between students are, are the same I right, kyle you called this scene relatable last episode and i i'll 100 agree with that so there's there's really a lot to like about uh, the whole macaroon situation mando's saying goodbye to grogu um it's a great moment for the show for sure it it kind of like steers us into the direction of maybe where the show's going in season three there could be multiple storylines going on we don't really know i kind of hope there isn't but uh when it comes to like this moment for grogu the important part is him uh saying goodbye in his own way to mando and that's him stroking his face (laughs) um like clearly he's very attached to this man uh, they form a very, very unlikely bond, which is just 
so fun to see on screen for 16 TV episodes. Um, and then you've also got him being received by Luke and uh, more specifically with R2-D2 uh, being, being the thing that Grogu connects with. Uh, it's kind of like one of those Mudhorn things where like, I think that the Grogu saying goodbye is a really poetic moment for the Mandalorian. But when we're talking about moments that highlight Grogu as a character and the reasons why we love Grogu, him stealing the macaroons and then throwing up because he's having so much fun spiraling in an out of control spaceship. Like that's, that's Grogu to a T. Uh, that's, that's why we watch this character. So I'm advancing the number two. Yeah, I think I'm 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 agree with you here, only because this entire series has set up this relationship between the two and basically how inseparable they are. And I understand that like if you love it, let it go kind of concept where Mando needs to, Grogu needs to, they need to go off with each other. But that is a moment in this series full of many moments that highlight the fact that Grogu is this character character who is one attached to Mando trust Mando will will do what Mando says and also is this like child this mischievous goofy child and obviously like the 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 moment of him leaving is kind of the tied up story ending that the series needed and hopefully is what we get. Hopefully it is tied up because the great 16 episodes of, of TV right there, you know, tell that story in 16 and get out. Um, but him being this child who obviously has these special abilities and is willing to flex them to get what he needs and wants uh, is on display here. And it's what we would expect out of him. Uh, we knew he had the force. We were, you know, hoping that he would take the macaroons and not kill the kid for the macaroons. Although you don't really know, right? He's a little unpredictable. He could force choke this kid and take his cookies or he could go ahead and snatch the cookies. And that's exactly what he did. So I think I'm agreeing with you as well. Uh, moving this two seed on here. Uh, the shenanigans are just too pure to pass up. Ryan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to... You know, undervalue the moment of him, you know, saying goodbye to Mando and and maybe it's because it's a more of a it's more of a Luke moment than it is a Grogu moment, I think, because you when you have Luke come through and start just taking everyone out and and this and that it it feels like more of a Luke moment than it is a Grogu moment. And I it is powerful for Grogu himself to say goodbye to Mando and when he f- sees his face for the first time. But um, like you said, it's it's really about what makes us love Grogu and, and that is his his innocence and his his eagerness to get what he wants, which is food <laughs> at the end of the day, which is food. Um, so I, you know, the macaroon moment is classic in in my mind, and when we think of Grogu, that's what's going to come to mind more prevalent than the than the moment of him going to Luke. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the macaroon moment for sure. All right, that brings us to our final elite eight matchup. It's number three, uh, a little Grogu sipping on some soup as Mando and Kara 
get after it with the blasters versus number six, Baby Yoda meeting Mando in the very first episode of the series. Uh, we didn't really get to talk a whole lot about the sip and soup scene, although it was brought up a little bit uh, in context of other matchups. But uh, Ryan brought up that it was interesting how Grogu didn't want them to arm wrestle and was willing to choke out Kara for it, but wasn't willing to do it when they were actually battling, trying to kill each other with these blasters. And that might just speak to this boy's freaking food motivation. What is he, when he has food, is he not scared? Is he content in his mission to eat all the time? So he has some soup and he's like, I mean, go ahead, Mando, like die. You've never uh, had food for me when you've been in trouble before. So I've only had to focus on one thing. And now that I have my food, you're not really the priority anymore, my friend. It's kind of like that survival of like the fittest type thing, you know, like I, I'm eating. You're not eating. You're not providing food at this moment. Uh, so, yeah, as Ryan brought up, Kara and Mando are are fighting after having a little tussle in the bar and they end up outside and come to this like dual stalemate. And uh, as they look up, the camera then pans from behind them and looks up as well. And it's Grogu standing there like a mother on a Sunday morning in her robe, drinking a little cup of coffee. <laughs> and the memes that came out of this were exactly that. They, they put curlers in Grogu's non-existent hair, made it so that it was like a pink robe. <laughs> He's got some stragglers. He's got a little bit of hair in there. <laughs> He's got a little bit, not enough for some curlers, though. <laughs> uh, and it was just like a great, I don't know, unexpected moment to be honest like Grogu just contently sipping on some soup judging them definitely the meme for judging definitely the meme for spilling some tea enjoying some tea online Uh, it became a a cultural moment that Baby Yoda is known to create uh, online Uh, we've talked about the memes that he's created before in this bracket and this one is one of the definitely one of the top ones this I believe that like when Disney had a panic make merchandise. This was one of the images that they would like plaster on a t-shirt that you could buy from something like Tee Public, <laughs> but they sold it on shopdisney.com. It, it, everyone recognized it. it. You saw Grogu standing up, standing content in his robe. It, it was just a very Grogu moment, except that like he's been defensive of Mando this entire time. And that seems to be his personality. And in this moment, it faltered. And I guess, like, is it that food motivation that overrid his, like, need to hop into action? I don't know. It was, it felt, now that Ryan has explained it even further, like, and brought that up, it does feel kind of out of character for him. The reveal is just powerful, man. When he said, when he meets Mando, like, that is a Baby Yoda moment. It doesn't get more Grogu than a shot of his face and his ears and those big eyes that almost look like they're welling up. And it's that cuteness factor that tied, that hooked everyone into this series. You had fans of Grogu. You didn't have fans of Star Wars watching this. You had fans hopping in because they saw this like baby Yoda character and were like, I need to watch whatever this character is in. 
I don't think that the writers wrote it like that. I mean, as I keep bringing up, Disney was unprepared for the massive uh, demand for Baby Yoda merchandise. They didn't have any at the ready. And they, I mean, rumor is that they kept it secret because they didn't want that reveal to get out by giving the plans to manufacturers for merchandise and toys and, and clothing. Uh, they didn't want any spoilers, which I respect, but I almost just think they weren't prepared for like what was actually about to unfold, which was baby Yoda mania. And rightfully so. This kid is adorable. You see that instant connection that's going to carry us through the rest of the series. I still think that the hand raising to Mando is kind of a metaphor for the powers that we're going to see moving forward of him being able to yield the force and that that motion plays such a big part from that's how they met, that's how he protects, that's how he says goodbye. It's just such a powerful moment in the context of this series. So I'm going to move on to number six, Baby Yoda meeting Mando. So I want to circle back to like the memification of the soup moment because I'm not sure I agree with the meme that came out of this Grogu moment and like it it I think got memed into something that the moment is not like the memes were like you said moms with cups of coffee or like me during fall like drinking my pumpkin spice latte and like Rogu's robes are like him being cozy. Uh, you know, this is me in the morning when I'm drinking my coffee. And I don't think that that's what that moment for Grogu was at all. Like that was no uh, uh, a moment where there was conflict happening and all Grogu was doing was sitting on the sidelines, sipping his soup. But aren't and some so, of the best memes the ones taken out of context? I mean, we just went through the first biggest meme of 2021, which is Bernie Sanders sitting down during the inauguration, and that has been taken into all sorts of contexts. So oh my god! Isn't that the isn't that the the formula for a viral meme is a moment taken out of context and put into others? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It happens. I don't know. It's really hard seeing. It's really hard slash interesting to break down the Mandalorian because so often we break down things that are 50 years old and 60 years old on this podcast. And like we are breaking <laughs> we are breaking down something that is being broken down in real time by everyone around us. So it's very, very interesting. Like, I agree with you. Uh, like not all memes are accurate. It's just interesting that I think when people think about this moment, they think about the meme version of the moment. And sure. like the, the moment that we're talking about is the moment that happens on screen when Grogu is sipping soup and doing nothing to intervene in this conflict. And like um, when we think about Grogu sipping on soup, what I think about is not Grogu choosing to be cozy in the mornings. It's Grogu <laughs> choosing to sit back and sip some soup and be totally flabbergasted by the events unfolding in front of him. So like if, if it was up to me to like redefine that meme, it would be more of like a, a Stephen Colbert eating popcorn gif. 
you know, where it's like, you know, all this drama is happening. Like I'm just sip on my soup while it's going down. Sure. Um, I mean, I appreciate, I appreciate the impact of the image regardless. Grogu meeting Mando. I, it's interesting because I never really know like what my criteria is going to be for advancing things <laughs> when we start these brackets. It's like, I, sometimes I just make it up as I go, you know, I'm like, what's, what's most important, how, what's going to set these moments apart from one another. And I, I think what I keep coming back to is like moments that are great for the show versus moments that are great for the character. And like, like that image of Mando reaching out to Grogu is so important for like the way I think about the show. But when we're talking about the way I think about the character of Grogu, it is that supporting character who you get, a, a you cut to him and you see his reaction or he's off in the corner doing something mischievous or he's off in the corner eating food. And like, that's what I think about when I think about Grogu. So I'm actually going to advance Grogu sipping soup on Sorgan. So, uh, Ryan's going to have to break the tie here. Yeah. I mean, man, the, the soup sipping scene is, is absolutely classic, right? Um, and I know Kyle brought it up again from from what I said before. It was a little bit inconsistent with how he reacted to Mando and Cara Dune arm wrestling in that moment. Um, and I just want to talk a little bit about when when he meets Mando, right? Like in Star Wars, we're so invested in the in the story of it and everything that goes goes around goes down within it, um, and there. To be honest, in Star Wars, I feel like there aren't that many moments of shock where you're like absolutely blown away by like something that happens. Even when like in the first time you're rewatching Star Wars, if you watch the originals and like, you know, obviously the biggest moment in Star Wars is when Vader reveals that he's Luke's father. Right. Right. And and they say like back in the day in 1980 or whenever that movie was released, that that was like the biggest thing. But but honestly, when I go back and watch it, maybe it's because I already knew, but it feels like they hinted at that so hard that like it's not that much of a shock when it happens. But when we're watching The Mandalorian, right, like it's 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 a very hyped up show it's it's released i know chris you didn't watch it when it came out like immediately but when i was watching that you know it's it's cool it's a good show it's about a mandalorian it's not so force heavy and it just feels like we're in the star wars universe people are really excited about it but then when we're introduced to this baby yoda in that moment (laughs) The shock yeah. factor is so high, right? <laughs> like it's so it's so great that we're introduced to this baby Yoda. And and when you're familiar with the timeline and you know that it's not actually Yoda, but it's actually like a different character, it feels so significant in that moment. Um so it's it to me like the power of that and the intrigue that that just creates to to a even if you're just a regular Star Wars fan, like just knowing that there's this baby Yoda looking creature, Yoda's maybe the most 
influential and powerful Jedi that we know in Star Wars. But to yeah. know that there's a, another one of his kind that's introduced at the end of this episode, it's just it's too powerful for me. It's just too it's too great, and uh, I, I have to I have to go with that one to move on because it's just a, such a powerful moment for me. Wow. Well, just like that, we are deprived of our one, two, three, four, and the sixth seed will advance. Baby Yoda meeting Mando. And uh, I'll respond to your Darth Vader shock value with a Dwight Schrute quote. <laughs> Vader means father in German. So. <laughs> I don't. Uh, yeah. The. Shock value thing. I'm like uh, a crusader against the value of shock value. <laughs> like just be, like I won't go into it, but uh, poetry is predictable and that makes it good. That doesn't make it bad. Like I will read this poem on my beer can and know that the the last word in the phrase is going to rhyme. And I'm not like. I knew it was going to rhyme, stupid beer can, like predictable. Yeah, but you (laughs) knew, but see, it's not fair because you didn't watch it when the shows came out. You were reading articles about Baby Yoda. When when you watch the episodes come out, there was really no way for the regular fan to know that we were going to have a Baby Yoda. Like it was literally, like it was a shocking reveal for the show. Like, it was really powerful for me just because, like, you didn't know what this guy was. It was, it it really blew the Star Wars world away in my mind. Like, in Star Wars, there's really, in my mind, there hasn't been a more shocking reveal than than that one in that moment. That's, that is, like, reasonable surprise. Where, like, you're still in the expository phase of the TV show, so, like, that's fine. The shock value I'm talking about is Emperor Palpatine was alive this whole time <laughs> yeah. and you didn't know about it. <laughs> like, that's the kind of shock value I'm like, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, now you're just doing it to, to make people react. Um, anyways, let's go ahead and... and, and Let's start talking Final Four. Our first Final Four matchup is the number one seed, Grogu, neutralizing the Mudhorn in season one, episode two, The Child, versus number four, Grogu's Frog Egg Feast from season two, episode two, which is chapter 10, The Passenger. Man, um... I have voted against both of these at various points in our discussions so far. Um, We've got a moment where Grogu has a surprising, somewhat unpredictable show of force-using abilities versus a a moment where Grogu shows off his (laughs) food-driven desires. So it's like, it's really hard because... I like Grogu as as like the unpredictable ball of force using energy. You know, someone like you don't want to poke this beehive of of force because he will unleash it upon you and it will be a bad day for you when it happens. Like that I think is like a more effective character trait for Grogu than like a little dude who likes to eat things. 
And so we're talking about best moment though. And like whenever we're talking about best anything, it has to be like the thing that represents that character the most. And so we have to intake, we have to take in all of the information we have about that character. And like season two was so focused on Grogu eating things that I feel like it almost overshadowed it almost overshadowed Grogu being a secret strong force user because in season two, we don't really see a whole lot of Grogu like unleashing his force upon people. It's mostly just like him being cute and him eating food. Like it's unfortunate that like it's kind of played out that way. So like part of me thinks that like frog eggs is the one that should advance because like that's sort of more representative of the character of Grogu. Um, But it's one of those instances where I do, I go with my personal bias and like choose the version of Grogu that I prefer versus like the version that I think everyone else prefers. (laughs) I think I'm going to go ahead and do what I always do and uh, give into my own bias and choose the version that I prefer. So I'm going to advance the Mudhorn because of the show of secret force that Grogu has here. And um, also I keep kind of knocking moments for being like good Mandalorian moments. And, and this is one of those moments that I think it works both ways. Like it's a good moment for the series, but it's also a great moment for Grogu. Yeah, it's Mudhorn. It, it, I didn't see it as hard as uh, you made it out to be only because I'm over these frog eggs, man. I can't believe that I made it to the final four. Can't believe that I have to even say anything about it. And I won't. Because I agree with you, it's the moment in which uh, Baby Yoda goes ham and lifts up that mud horn. Ryan, any dispute to that at all? Yeah, I mean, I I saw this coming in the last round. <laughs> and when you guys told me if there was any favorites going in to the whole bracket itself, like I've been saying, I have this dark form of humor. And Grogu... Grogu... <laughs> Creating this mass genocide by eating these extinct frog eggs is just... (laughs) And us continuing to love him for it is just... That's what... That's what is Grogu for me. Is him being able to do anything and us still being able to just absolutely love him for it. If not love him more for it. Um... So this one is this one hurts my heart a little bit because I will say going into this, Chris, I know you asked me if I had a favorite moment going into it when we were texting. This this is my top <laughs> Grogu moment. Him eating the eggs. I know, Kyle, you you've had your disputes with it, yeah. but for me, I I haven't laughed more than I did at the end of this episode. When he looks back at the frog lady protecting her endangered species and he slips that that frog egg into his mouth like Buddy the Elf would a cotton ball in the doctor's <laughs> office. It's just it's just what is Grogu for me, you know? His ability to, you know, capture us with his cuteness, adorableness by doing something so bad. Um so bad you know it's literally an evil act um 
But for me, you know, that's that's what makes Grogu, you know, more than his ability to wield the Force and just be this all-powerful, miniature, 50-year-old little creature. <laughs> it's just his ability to do something so bad and for us to still love him so much for it. So I will say, for this one, I would have absolutely voted for Grogu's Frog Egg Feast because he is just... You, it felt like overkill for you, but that's my type of comedy. Like that family guy type of, yeah. oh, absolutely overkill. He just keeps doing it. I find that so funny to me. And it's just the hey. way I, it's just the way I, you know, that's the way I, my brain operates. Every, every single bracket we bring up at least once that personal bias is fine and we do it. And so I, I understand everything you're saying there and i'm sorry that we have to break your heart but at least it made it this far because i've been trying to kill this thing for a minute and it made it to the final it really did and when you when you had such a strong opinion about it in the first round i'm like oh my god is my favorite moment not really gonna make it through the first round (laughs) i'm gonna be devastated by this so making it this far i'm really I'm really fine with it because it is matched up against with the number one seed, which is like, you know, it's a, it's a very strong moment, which is totally fair. But I have to throw my love out for this for this for this moment in the Mandalorian's uh, storyline. You know, it's it's uh, yeah. I I love it for for me, and that's that's fine. And I'm sure there's some yeah. people that can relate out there. All our listeners that absolutely love. <laughs> The mass genocide created by our adorable little <laughs> baby. <laughs> so uh, it's fine. It's it's totally fine. But but I love I love it. I love him slurping in the uh, the frog eggs like there's some oysters on a fancy dinner eating feast. <laughs> You're feeling about uh, oh man, is my first seed gonna go down in the first round? Is how I feel every single moment on this podcast. So don't. Yes. So don't worry about it. It's whenever I see 101 Dalmatians on a bracket, I'm going to be I'm going to be really sad this bracket. All right. So we're moving on here to figure out who the number one seed uh, Baby Yoda stopping that mud horn is going to face. And it's between the number two, uh, him stealing the little Girl Scout macaroons from his classmate, number two seed versus the number six, uh, him meeting Mando. Yo, I we get to this point in every single bracket, every single episode where I feel like I've said all I've had to say. And I think that that is this matchup. I've said just about everything. And so I hope you remember what I said because I'm moving on the macaroons here. I think it's because it better embodies like who Baby Yoda becomes and who we know Baby Yoda as in this series. The meeting establishes the connection, but after that first episode, you're like, all right, we got to protect this baby at all costs. And then it turns out that this is a pretty independent baby that has its own needs and wants, and this baby going to get after it. And that's what happens throughout this entire series. And we see the him using the force. We see him acting on his food motivations. We see him yearning for this connection to essentially who he sees as his peers, which are these children. Uh, and it's just that entire package for Baby Yoda. So Grogu uh, eating those macaroons, that number two seed, I'm moving on to the finals. 
Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do the same. I don't mean to rush this process along, but I'm crowning Baby Yoda's Macaroon Adventure as the winner of this bracket uh, right now. Wow. Wow. Um, what? Like you said, <laughs> it encapsulates absolutely everything that we love about Baby Yoda. Everything that we've talked about so far. We've got Baby Yoda obsessed with food. We've got Baby Yoda using the force in a unpredictable yet slightly surprising way to get those macaroons. We've got Baby Yoda interacting with friends and finding his place in society. And like if we're talking about personal biases and and Grogu being this cultural phenomenon and so many people relating to this character. I, I love this macaron moment because it has so many things going on that it allows us to choose any one part of Grogu and and enjoy that part or relate to that part. It's like, I love Grogu right. as a force user. So this moment works for me. I love Grogu as a food obsessed little baby. So that <laughs> works for me. Like I love Baby Grogu as a little bucktooth, side-eye Chloe battle. Like, that's why <laughs> I like this moment. Uh, I like Baby Grogu as a little creature trying to find his place in the universe. Mm, I like him in the classroom right here. Like, it's just, it has absolutely everything. It's funny. Really, the only two things I would say that are working against it are that it feels like a Guardian's ripoff and that it's not really one singular moment. It's kind of two moments when you bring in the throwing up the macaroons part. And when we started this bracket, I thought the throw up part was like more memorable and, and better. But as we've talked about it, I've almost enjoyed him seeing the macaroons and stealing the macaroons to be like the better Grogu moment and, and more enjoyable one for me. You have a very well-packaged Grogu in this moment. You have him connecting with peers. You have him using the force to get a job done. You have his absolute cuteness. You have him to scale around other humans. You have everything here. You have his connection with Mando when Mando has to like set him down and leave in that relationship. A whole lot of everything there. And as much as the him stopping that mud horn is hype and I'm here for it. And I still think that is one of the greater moments of this uh, entire series. The best Grogu moment is definitely him stealing those snacks, stealing those macaroons in class next to that poor classmate trying to steal his gum, trying to finesse him into uh, into his next meal. So, Chris, I am with you, which means that we have crowned the best Baby Yoda moment being him stealing some macaroons from his classmate. And as we do at the end of every single episode, we are going to clap it out. Ryan, there, that was a one-two matchup. We don't have them very often, but we have them sometimes. And I feel like a lot of times the one seed comes out on top. What is your thoughts uh, after seeing the two seed take down the one here in the finals? Yeah, I don't want to um, I don't want to just skip over so much. I want to give a little bit more love to Grogu meeting Mando. Sure. Um, just because 
the shock value it, it really can't be like understated the shock value of that moment if you were watching in real time those episodes come out and seeing this this baby yoda creature be revealed it truly was in my mind like the most shocking moment in in the star wars timeline just not knowing what he was going to you know what this bounty was um it truly was an incredible moment for star wars for for that to be revealed but like you guys touched on the macaroon moment is it truly does capture everything that we do love about grogu it's his it's his love for food it's that father-son relationship with rando dropping him off at school and it's grogu's inability to resist from eating too much food you know that's what that's what we love it's the power of grogu it's his it's his love for food that creates this all the moments pretty much that make him what he is it's all the memes it's all it's his curiosity it's his love for food it's his mischievous you know tendencies that make him what he is that that is what grogu is creating this moment of wanting to steal food taking the food eating the food eating too much of the food and then throwing up the food <laughs> is just what makes us love Grogu altogether. So I, uh, I'll sit here and agree with you guys. It's amazing. And it what makes Grogu what, what he is. We love him. <laughs> oh man. Hey, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us on this adventure. It's super fun talking about our favorite little green guy. Of course, guys. It's it's literally it's literally a blast. I thank you guys so much for having me on. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mouse Madness. If you got something to say about these Grogu moments, did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? Got something to say? If you want to hop in and do some co-hosting duties of your own, send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Discord. All of those are linked in the description of this podcast. We love to connect with you, love to interact with you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Oh,